Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries, of curiosities, of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. We love hearing from you freaks, and there are many ways to do that. You can email us at curator at theboxofoddities.com. Whether you hear back from us or not, please know we do read your emails. Yes, and your Facebook messages and your Instagram stuff. I don't always see the stories because I don't get notifications, and I haven't figured out that process yet. It's it, That's not the point. The point is we got an email from Marianne, and I loved it, basically. All right, so they wrote, I'm a little behind on your podcast, so I just listened to episode 104, where Kat talks about the reincarnated Martian pilot said to be an indigo child. This made me think of something that happened back in 2016. I was just about to exit a grocery store together with a friend of mine when this, to me, completely unknown woman, stops me in my tracks and tells me she can clearly see that I am an indigo child. Mm. I can't remember exactly what she said after that, but it was something about how she could sense that I'm very creative and an unusual person, and that apparently makes me an indigo child. At this time, I had never even heard of indigo children, so I had to go straight home and Google what she was talking about. (laughs) I'm still not entirely sure how she came to this conclusion, but it was definitely an interesting encounter. Wow. Funny thing about this story, too, is that my friend got incredibly jealous and started muttering on about how she, too, was very special in many strange ways. I want to be an (laughs) indigo child. That's hilarious. (laughs) I know exactly how she feels, because if if we were both out and somebody came to you and said that, I would feel just horribly disappointed. But me. I want to be the reincarnation of a Martian pilot. Yes, please. (laughs) I actually did have somebody stopped me one time and it was in the grocery store like like this this was years and years ago they came up to me and they said that they were a uh, they were psychic and that they could tell because of i guess my vibration or aura or something that i was the reincarnated spirit of uh, an Essene. oh and the Essenes were responsible for collecting and storing and hiding the dead sea scrolls 
which I found fascinating. And then immediately I went on this tear about reading about the Dead Sea Scrolls, looking for my name, right? and I never found it. No? No. That's weird, because I had a psychic come up to me once and tell me that I was, uh, what's the word that they use? Um, a sensitive. Ah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was nothing about Dead Sea Scrolls or cool like an indigo child, but uh, just came up to me and was like, I can sense that you're a sensitive. And I was like, okay. <laughs> How old were you then? I don't know, like probably 15 or 16. At the time, I was pretty weirded out by it. (laughs) Yeah. At that age, you really don't want strangers approaching you and talking about your spiritual well-being. No, I was like, okay, well, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Then you put on your gels and toddled away. Yep. And my uh, wide whale cords. Good look for you, by the way. Yeah, thanks. I've seen the pictures. (laughs) All right, I go first. Here we go. This is a story of a guy named Trigve Boja. Trigve Boja. He lived in Boulder, Colorado in the late uh, late 80s. 1980s? 1980s, Okay, yes. you've got to be specific uh, these I know. days. You're right. Trigve was, was kind of a, well, he was a local character. Every town has one, right? Sure. Or several in our case. He was known for a lot of strange things. He started like the first polar bear club. Which you what know, really? Yeah. Oh wow! They would have to drill holes in the ice because it was in Colorado and it was so thick, and then they you know would jump into it. We do that here in 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 Maine as well. It's terrible. Uh, so he was kind of well known for that. Uh, then he was arrested uh, taking his mother his mother whose name is Odd A U D mm-hmm. or Ode. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. He was taking her to the airport for a trip back to Norway because that's where they were from. And uh, he was arrested uh, because he was joking about hijacking the plane. Yeah, that's not cool. And uh, then he became a fugitive from the law because he was, I guess, trespassing on the property of the president of a local university. And they said, stop, stop. And he didn't. And he was, you know, on the lam for a while. Sure. But he always took the time to call local media and update them. Well, that's handy. <laughs> and asked them to put his story in the newspaper. Oh, gosh. He's very conscious of that. That's my least favorite kind of criminal. Yeah. The desperate for attention criminal. In 1994, Trigve was deported back to Norway, leaving his mother in Colorado. Oh. Now, she was concerned that she was going to be deported next. And so she took a, a page from Trigve's book of calling the local media. And she told Barbara Lawler of uh, the Mountain Ear, a newspaper, quote, I'm very, very concerned about being deported because I'm concerned the bodies will melt. My father's body is in a shed behind the house. Oh, no. So that was a pretty weird concern. You know, you're worried about being deported. Sure, I understand that. That's, That's the world we live in. But... Not many people can say they're concerned about being deported because dad's going to thaw out in the tool shed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a valid concern. But an unusual one. Sure. So according to an article that was written by Gail Rubin on the Good Goodbye website, Ode's father's name was Bredu Mostrol. He was born in some town I have no idea how to pronounce in Western Norway. Cool. Uh, he was born on February 28th, 1900. Bredo married his wife, Anna, in the late 1920s. The couple had two children. 
He worked as the head of Parks and Recreation until his retirement in 1967. Nice. Nope style. He was very uh, fond of painting. He loved to fish. He loved to hike. And he loved to ski. And he died in 1989 at the age of 89 years old in a skiing accident. Oh, wow. He was 89 and he was skiing alone in Norway. And he had an accident and he was lost for a while. By the time they discovered him, he was already pretty much frozen solid as a brick. The guy was 89 and he was backcountry skiing alone. That's amazing. Well done, sir. Those are goals. So his grandson, Trigve Boja, who was living in Boulder, Colorado at this time, and among a lot of his eccentricities, one of the stranger ones, or not strange, one of the more interesting ones, was he was a big supporter of the idea of cryonic reanimation and life extension techniques. Okay. Trigve thought, well, since, you know, Gramps was already frozen, he would just uh, continue that process. So in 1990, Trigve had Pupa preserved on dry ice for the trip from the U.S. and stored in liquid nitrogen at the Transtime Cryonics Facility in San Leandro, California, from 1990 through 1993. And then Grandpa was moved to Netherland a few years later, which is right next to Boulder, Colorado. Okay. And for those of you who are not familiar with cryonic suspension, it requires a body to be frozen immediately after death to ward off physical decay and then maintained in a frozen condition until the time when medical science may be able to restore it to life. Suspendees are typically kept cool with uh, liquid nitrogen, but nitrogen, but due to budget constraints, Grandpa Bredo was kept on ice. So how did Boompa end up making his way from the cryogenics place to a tool shed? Well, they threw him in the back of a U-Haul, surrounded by dry ice, and they drove him out there. Mm-hmm. In 93, when he brought Bumpa back, he began constructing a fireproof, earthquake-proof, windproof, bomb-proof concrete castle in Netherland, Colorado, unlike anything anybody had ever seen. Wow. He was, his plan was to tunnel into the hillside next to his home and build cryonic chamber pods. Oh, wow. He planned on starting his own business, and, and, and Boompa was going to be the first. He was going to call his business the Colorado Life Extension Center. You know, some people's grandkids start lemonade stands. I guess we all dream of working at home. I was expecting something more along the lines of like, pawpaw freeze pops. (laughs) So for about six months, mother and son lived relatively in anonymity until uh, Trigve claimed he was going to break the world record for ice bathing. So he invited all the newspapers. They all came out, and he immersed himself in a 1,500-gallon tank of ice water in February of 1994. Okay. He was under the freezing water for one hour, four minutes. He actually did break the world record, and, of course, that brought all kinds of media attention. Sure. And Trigve's local visa had run out at this time. And so... Trigve? Yeah. You got to think these things through. INS saw him on TV and said, wait a minute. And so they issued a a deportation warrant for him. Declaring himself a fugitive from justice, he managed to evade authorities for a little while. Of course, calling the media uh, all all the while. But he was apprehended in 94 and he was sent back 
to Norway, leaving his mother behind to finish the house and to keep her eye on Pop Popsicle. So anyway, back to his mother, Odd or Ode. I think Odd. Telling the uh, newspaper reporter that she had a frozen dead guy in her yard. Panic, according to Wikipedia, ensued. The marshal's office called Clay Evans, a reporter with the Boulder Daily Camera, uh, to ask him if he knew anything about a frozen guy in somebody's tool shed. He said, I don't know, but I'll be there with a photographer in 30 minutes. So they <laughs> rushed out and verified the fact that Grandpa was in the tool shed. When he got there, he found not one, but two bodies in the shed. So I'm sorry, Opie and who? The other body belonged to a guy named Al. Was Al any relation? Al Campbell. Nope. Trigvay's first paying customer from Chicago. Oh, Trigvay was just making his way. In the world today. It does take everything you've got and a lot of dry ice. But once he was discovered, Al was shipped back to Chicago and his family gave him a burial. Uh, They shipped him back in a metal box surrounded by dry ice. Odd was eventually evicted from her home for living in a house with no electricity or plumbing in violation of local ordinances. Uh, She told a newspaper reporter, because of course she did, Mm -hmm. uh, about her father's body and of the uh, other individual. And that's when the local city government got involved. And the city said, you know, you have to get out. And she said, I can't because no one's going to watch over dad. Right. Who's going to freshen up his ice. And so according to an article in the February 7th, 1995 Denver Post, Odd was found guilty by a jury of building use and zoning violations. Mm. The Nederland town judge ordered her to remove the frozen guy from the shed by March 6th or face 10 days in jail and a $600 fine. So then, I mean, what's going to happen to Gong Gong? That is a great question. This story caused quite a sensation, even more than when her son set the world record for ice bathing. So the city added a broad new provision to Section 734 of its municipal code, keeping bodies, outlawing the keeping of, quote, the whole or any part of a person, body or carcass of a human being or animal or any other biological species which is not alive upon any property. Um, However, because of the publicity Mm. that had happened, they did make an exception for Grandpa Bredo. That's where the term grandfather clause comes from. No, it's not. I made that up. But wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. (laughs) Cool. Drink Bay secured the services of Delta Tech, a local environmental company, to keep the cryonic facility running. A guy named Bo Schaefer, who is the CEO of Delta Tech, is known locally as the Iceman. He's the caretaker responsible for transporting the dry ice necessary for cryopreservation to the IC Institute, something he has done since 1995. Because Grandpa almost thawed out a couple of times over the years. But the family continues to send money to keep the dry ice replenished. 750 pounds of dry ice is replenished every three weeks. Some of the locals report that they see ghostly events in the area. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they think it could be Grandpa's spirit. Um, So where are they keeping him? You're asking him. Well, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking a story like this, 
This is a situation ripe for corporate sponsorship opportunities. That's what I was thinking. Yes, absolutely. Does he have his own race car? No, but you're close. The makers of Tough Shed donated a new shed for Grandpa's resting place. Oh, that's nice. So he's got a brand new Tough Shed. And the Tough Shed Corporation is now sponsoring the annual Frozen Dead Guys Festival in in Colorado. What is the annual Frozen Dead Guys Festival? Well, after all this happened, local people thought, geez, we can make some money off this. So, So they hold an annual festival in March. It's usually held the first weekend in March. The festival started in the year 2000, continues to this day. It grows every year. Festivities include a parade of hearses, a costumed polar plunge, coffin races, frozen turkey bowling, Salmon tossing. Oh, that's just gross. And uh, the newly dead game. (laughs) (laughs) There are locally produced special themed drinks and ice cream flavors for the festival. The event draws thousands of people with as many as 15,000 in attendance uh, in one year. They also have the Dead Guy Lookalike Contest. That's pretty popular. And they even do tours of the Tough Shed where Grandpa is frozen. Well, that's nice that... Grandpierre gets to to stay where he's at, and mm-hmm. uh, now he's yep. got a whole festival. Right. And yep. wow, what a full life slash death! They also have a pancake breakfast, breakfast, a poetry slam, a market showcasing local artists. Yes, snowy human foosball. They kick the whole event off with a dance called Grandpa's Blue Ball. Awesome, <laughs> ice sculptures, snow sculptures. And Glacier Ice Cream, which is headquartered in Boulder, makes a flavor specifically for the festival called Frozen Dead Guy. And if you're wondering, it has fruit-flavored blue ice cream mixed with crushed Oreo cookies and sour gummy worms. That sounds wonderful. I don't know. I'm into it. Now, Trigvay and Odd filed a complaint against Netherland uh, involving money and naming rights in 2005. Frozen Dead Guy days, even though that happened, is still alive. And there's a growing increase in interest in the festival, and more attendees arrive every single year, including fans of the film, which um, highlights the backstory of the festival. It's a documentary called Grandpa's in the Tough Shed. I thought you were going to say Weekend at Bernie's, but Very close, yeah. Cool, whatever. And then there was a follow-up a couple of years later called Grandpa's Still in the Tough Shed. Oh, wow. Yeah, that premiered in uh, 2003. So here's an update. Trigve and his mother are still living in Norway. Trigve has opened a life extension center that features ice plunging and coffee enemas. I'm assuming that's for live people. Right, yes. Yeah. No, it's good to cater to both the dead and the living. Because especially if you're using hot coffee, you know, mm. you got a guy who's cryogenically frozen and you pour hot coffee in his ass, that's counterproductive. It's absolutely correct, yep. Grandpa is still in the tough shed, unwitting champion of the rights of the temporarily dead. And according to several Boulder psychics who have visited the shed, Poopa has a message for us all from the great beyond. Does he? Is it about staying active into your olden years? Olden years? Close. Grandpa said, according to the psychics, quote, never ski alone. Wise words. Wow. Wow. So you want to go? Netherland is located in western Boulder County. It's about 20 minutes west of Boulder, about an hour and a half from Denver. It's located at the crossroads of State Highways 119 and 72. 
The uh, town is near the center of the Peak to Peak Science History Historic Byway. Wow. It's near uh, near the Eldora Ski Area. All of this sounds great. I'm in. Yep. I mean, I'm not getting in that cold water. God, no. But I will have some of that ice cream. Frozen Dead Guy Days this year happens March 13th through the 15th. And tickets are available at their website, which is frozendeadguydays.org. Awesome. So there you go. We've had a lot of requests for that story. And I thought since it's getting close to the actual event, now would be a good time to do a deep dive and find out what the hell was going on with Trigvay. Yeah, get those plans made. And now, that thing in the middle. Hey, we all have fears, right? Yeah. Sometimes the fears seem to be worse than they really are. Yeah, like my brain knows that those small gray little bugs aren't really a threat to me. Um, however, my whole body goes, you're talking about fleas? No, those little gray bugs, the little ones with the shell. The silverfish? I don't know what they're called. You're just scared of them. (laughs) They're the little gray ones. Well, here's some things that might, uh, might calm your nerves a little bit. When people fear that terrorists are going to kill us in the U S more people are killed by toddlers. Did you know that? Than terrorists? Yeah. I did not know that. More people are killed by toddlers when they get their hands on guns. Oh, that is terrifying. Than by terrorists. I'm trying to find the name of that bug. Oh, here, the uh, internet says it's called uh, one of those little gray bugs. Okay. That's what they call them. Interesting. Yeah. Number four, sharks kill just one person every year in the U.S. Much fewer than pigs, let's say, or other farm animals. (laughs) It's a lot more dramatic when you get eaten by a shark than trampled by a, by a sow. Do you remember that time we were in the car and I was asking you a question that I had heard on <laughs> on Jeopardy or Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? Yeah, it was Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And it was something about like your chances of being killed by a vending machine. <laughs> yeah. And then you just shouted out, shark! I was responding to a different question in my head yep. at the time. And I was like... Cool. Good talk. Number three. Shark. Are you security minded? Don't browse porn. You'll get a virus. Actually, church websites are three more times likely than porn sites to be infected with viruses as they're maintained by volunteers with little experience. Yeah, that's right. Porn people know what's up. They know how to keep you safe. (laughs) (laughs) Number two. MSG is not good for you, right? No, that's not even a true thing. 40 years of clinical trials have found no correlation between MSG and any sort of sickness, especially a fake one called Chinese restaurant syndrome. (laughs) Stop it. And number one, hey, whatever you do when you're pumping gas, don't use your phone because it'll explode the gas fumes. You've seen those little warnings? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's been debunked. In fact, Mythbusters did an episode on it. Not only is there no evidence that this can happen, researchers have tried to make it happen on purpose, and it's never happened. It's time to update that information. When you look at those warning signs at a gas pump with the picture of the cell phone and the universal symbol for no Mm -hmm. with the slash to it, the cell phone looks like one of those really early flip phones from like 
the mid-90s yeah. with a little antenna that you'd have to pull up. That's right. That's not going to explode. It doesn't even work. And the same people chiding you about talking on the phone while you're pumping their gas are over there smoking a palm all unfiltered. Flicking their butt at you. <laughs> Don't you flick your butt at me, sir. <laughs> butt flicker. It's the podcast that's like the cheap little prize you'd get in the bottom of a cereal box. And you'd think... I went through all that crap for this. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer this message is sponsored by green light you know as your kids get older there are some things about parenting that gets easier i remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece if you put your pants on i'll give you some fresca and when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right it's a lot easier to manage them Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. 
On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Box of Oddities. I love being married. More to, specifically. To me? Yes. Okay, good. I love being married to you. Okay, good. I didn't yeah. know if there was maybe a secret. I mean, that, I've never been married to you, anyone else. Okay. Right. So, I don't know. Well, I didn't maybe expect I just, it, but we've never really clarified that. Sure. So, okay. All right. Go ahead. Um, this, this is something that you shared with me uh, the other day. <clears throat> oh, boy. Because I watch a lot of ancient aliens, Netflix thought I would like the Jonas Brothers documentary. <laughs> so naturally, I watched about half of it. Yeah, I did. What? And it made me so sad. Oh, no. Yeah. Nick, man. Yeah? He had a rough go of it. Yeah. He really did. It's amazing to me the kinds of things that just come out of both of us. Like, we've been together for a long time. Yeah. And we share the same space often. And sometimes we just say things sort of to each other, but sort of just saying them. We do a lot of that. Yep. Not really considering our audience or that we even have one. Like I hear I hear you pull into the driveway and the door close and then you coming up over the stairs and I just hear the I'm very excited about this new yogurt I bought. <laughs> and then the other night you said, I wonder how overweight I would be if I didn't put my legs up on everything. <laughs> Yep. It's my main source of exercise <laughs> is just putting my feet up on stuff and yeah, lifting well. my legs uh, so that they are on my feet are then on things. <laughs> I I put my feet on stuff a yeah, lot. We're thinking of starting a uh, an Instagram page. Cat puts her feet on things. <laughs> <laughs> Annie Hoosle. Anyway. What you got for me? Today I want to talk about pangolins. Penguins? Pangolins. Pangolins. I know this word. Pangolins are mammals that inhabit tropical forests, dry woodlands, and the savanna. Okay, I, I was wrong. I was thinking a pangolin it was some kind, something to do with geometry. Oh. Like a pangolin triangle. Yeah, I think that's a thing. Go ahead. Okay. So there are eight species in existence found in India, China, Southeast Asia, and parts of Africa. That's according to The Independent. And pangolins are so unique that they have a mammal order entirely to themselves. The one still existing family, the manidae, has three different types of pangolin. The manis, which comprises four species living in Asia. Um, another type that starts with uh, the pH that makes a fuh sound, mm -hmm. uh, which comprises two species living in Africa, and the smutsia, uh, which comprises two species also living in Africa. Smutsia, what a great name. I know. So one of the things that make pangolin unique is they have very large protective keratin scales covering their skin, and mm. they're the only known mammal with this feature. No kidding. So you said you referred to them in plural as the pangolin. Is that like the proper way instead of pangolins, the pangolin? I don't know. That's I might I might say the giraffe has long a uh, long neck. You would never say that. So their keratin scales <laughs> start off soft and then they harden as the creatures get older, as do our hearts and souls and my foot skin. Mm. So the tree pangolin 
is one of the eight species still uh, out there. Uh, he's native to uh, equatorial Africa and averages three and a half pounds. But the giant pangolin, uh, he lives in Africa and uh, a stretch that leads from West Africa to Uganda. The giant pangolin, he's the largest species, and he can get to be over 70 pounds. Does he eat people? No, okay. no. Usually, if feeling angry or threatened, pangolin will hot, uh, like hiss at you. They'll do like kind of a hiss kind of thing. Ooh, that's creepy. Uh, they'll puff. They'll lash their sharp tails at you. But if the fighter, the the guy that's threatening him is too big, they'll just curl up into a spiky little ball until the attacker goes away. Aww. But because they have those hard keratin scales you can't get in there Hmm. i watched a video of a lion trying to get in you can't get in so it's kind of like a cross between a turtle and an armadillo kind of like that i mean they're they're compared to a lot of different things um and, and we'll get into that so pangolins eat ants termites larvae not often people um and they because of the way that they eat they're known as the scaly anteater Even though, I mean, okay, anyway. So they've got uh, small pokey heads and uh, they've got jaws without teeth. Uh, Penguins have very long, muscular, sticky tongues. Uh, Another reason why they're they're compared to anteaters. Uh, But their tongues, which are perfect for reaching in and lapping up ants and termites and such, uh, they actually attach to the inside of the pangolin's body near their pelvis. Wait, no, wait. The tongue goes from their mouth all the way down. Yeah. That just doesn't seem very efficient. Um, The tongue is often longer than the entire length of the animal. And it it goes down and attaches where? Down by its pelvis. That brings a whole different meaning to the term back of the tongue flavor. (laughs) I see what you're saying. Mm. Pangolin ass. At rest, the pangolin's tongue retracts into a sheath that's in its chest cavity. Whoa. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. I, I picture it makes like a shink yeah. sound. When yeah. Shink. That movie sound effect that they use every time somebody picks up a knife. Mm-hmm. Shink. So a pangolin's stomach is very muscular. It also has uh, spines projecting into the interior. And uh, usually the tummies contain small stones and the the tum-tum uses the spines and the stones to kind of mash up and grind their prey. Very similar to the the way a bird's gizzard works. It's kind of like a mortar and pestle inside the belly of this animal. And the tongue goes all the way down through that too? I mean, it's got to. That's how he... he... What if he bites his tongue? Oh... I mean, that's never great. No. This sounds very bird-like. Yeah, he's got a very bird-gizzardy type of belly. Yeah, and you know, the scales and everything, scales were the predecessor to, or no, feathers were the predecessor to scales in many cases, right? Is that how it worked? There were feathered dinosaurs. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Now. I did all that out loud, didn't I? Yep. So, uh, yes, they are frequently compared to anteaters, and though they do share some characteristics with anteaters and armadillos and sloths. Um, They're actually more closely related to cats, dogs, and bears. Hmm. Uh, 
They tend to be pretty solitary. Uh, they meet a mate and they produce a litter of one to three offspring, uh, which are raised for about two years. So, I mean, they're not f- like social, fast breeding, you know, bunny mm-hmm. types. Mm-hmm. They're more like, oh, hey, cool. <laughs> Anyway. They take it a little more casual. Yeah. Yeah. There's no first date hookup. No. Pangolins have uh, stout limbs, and they're very adapted uh, for digging. Their paws have five toes, and their forefeet have three long curved claws, like like you might picture a sloth having. Um, they are really good at demolishing nests of, like, termites and ants and stuff, and they dig and... Um, so yeah, uh, Chinese pangolins sleep in underground burrows, uh, but other pangolins live and climb in trees. All are very well adapted, though, for, for the digging, and some can swim. So according to Save the Pangolins Conservation Group, Chinese legend says that pangolins uh, can travel all over the world underground. And in Cantonese, the name pangolin translates to the animal that digs through the mountain. Hmm. Now, pangolins are protected by national and international legislation uh, throughout their range, but hunting flourishes predominantly in Asia. Pangolins are known as being the most illegally trafficked animal in the world. What is their value? Well, I mean, I know what their value is as... A creature, what is their value on the poacher's black market? Okay, so um, about a hundred thousand pangolins are estimated to be hunted and sold every year, making them the most traded animal in the world. The meat's considered a delicacy in mm. China, uh, in China, Vietnam, and other parts of Southeast Asia. And the scales are prized for traditional medicine. This isn't a new thing, but it's become very increased over the years. So like in um, in the early 1800s, King George III of England was presented with a suit of armor made from pangolin scales. And I'm guessing that was more for show. That was more for show, yeah. yeah. But um, it has increased in being a problem, uh, over the, especially the last 10, 20, 30 years. There's some who believe that roasted pangolin scales can cure cancer or uh, stimulate breast milk. Um, It's an increasingly lucrative trade, and it's driving poachers to capitalize by snaring them in the forests and sometimes force-feeding them gravel to increase their weight and value. Oh, my God. Customs officers seize thousands of pangolins and hundreds of pounds of pangolin scales every year. Oftentimes, they're disguised as other goods. You know, when you're when you're trying to hustle items into a country, you might disguise it as something else. Yeah, those aren't pangolin scales. That's baby formula. Exactly. Um, in, in January, officials in Uganda said they'd seized uh, tons of pangolin skins packed in boxes identified as communications equipment. Hmm. Um, in France, a few years ago, more than 200 pounds of pangolin scales were discovered buried in bags of dog biscuits. Chinese pangolins are listed as critically endangered by the International Union for Conservation of Nature, and the International Union considers all of the pangolin species threatened. African pangolin species are also threatened because of the hunting, uh, but also because uh, their habitat is under threat from the use of pesticides and electric fences, uh, plus the trade to Asian markets has increased so much. 
Annette Olson, who is a technical advisor for the Conservation International Group in Southeast Asia, helped open the Pangolin Rescue Center. Uh, She now works in Singapore. And she said that the pangolin's odd appearance is part of what has kept this from being stopped, that um, it's not helped its cause. It's not cute looking. It's not cute. He's not. Although it did inspire that song. What song? You know that song. London swing like a pangolin do. Two by two. Mm-hmm. That one. I, I used to love that song. <laughs> so there's not a lot of species like pangolins. There's not a lot of things that go like, oh, yeah, I love those. That, that remind people of pangolins. Pangolins aren't something that, that's very charismatic. It's just kind of weird and pokey. Yeah, which was one of the reasons it inspired Edgar Allan Poe to write that short story. Oh, Jesus. What short story? The Pit and the Pangolin. Remember that one? That was a good one. So there's actually a Pokemon character whose name is Sandsplash, who's loosely based on a pangolin. And uh, it's even things like that researchers are hoping will endear the pangolin to people and make him less likely to be ignored and therefore extinct because people don't care. Mm. Um, there's also a Colombian company called Cyclus Manufacturer, which makes a folding pangolin backpack, which is based on the oh. biomechanics of how the pangolin oh, works. That is so cool. Which is very cool. I I'm love buying it. one. Yeah, I love it when they find things in nature that they can develop, you know, a, a pro- like Velcro. Tell me about Velcro. Velcro was developed because a guy saw how burdocks stick to people's hair and stuff. Oh. So, hey. The hook and loop idea was was based on burdocks. Nice. Well, there are uh, rehabs for pangolins because a lot of times uh, people will put out or hunters will put out snares and they'll just end up losing their feet Mm. because, you know, snares. Mm. Um, But pangolins have a really hard time in rehabs. They have a hard time because they get stressed out. They don't eat unnatural food very well. Um, They like being out on their own, doing their own thing. They're, They're not great to rehab. But it is possible there are some rehabs that are doing better than others and they're you know reintroducing the pangolins back into the wild when they can unfortunately they are still highly threatened and uh, for some species endangered so that's why we need to talk about the pangolin and how adorable and sweet they are and how they just want to hang out and dig up termite nests and eat and curl up into balls and mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. I I mean, I get those things, not the termite thing so much, but I mean... Curling up in a ball? Sure, absolutely. We, we can all relate to that. I wonder if King George III would curl up in a ball when he put on that suit of armor. I would hope so. I would. So if you'd like to learn more um, or chip in on the effort, you can go to Save Pangolins. Thanks, Willie. Savepangolins.org, which is raising awareness and supporting conservation of the world's most trafficked mammals. Um, And uh, I will post some pictures of these cutie-cutes and my new Save the Pangolin uh, tank top that I purchased. Okay. Looking forward to seeing that. Pangolins. The mammal bird-like reptilian type of creature. Are they amazing? It's pretty great. You know what else would be really great? Oh, James. 
No, I was just using that to segue into talking about our live shows. Oh, yeah. yeah. Seeing you at one of our live shows. We're going to be in D.C. on the 29th of uh, January, D.C. Comedy Loft, and then Bridgeport, Connecticut, the historic Bijou Theater. We just actually got off the phone before we recorded this with Amanda from uh, Connecticut Post, and they're doing a story on our Bridgeport, Connecticut show. So that's neat. Thanks, Amanda. We hope to see you there. If you wear a Save the Pangolin t-shirt to one of those shows, you will get a box of oddities t-shirt for free. I've just decided that. I don't recall that coming up in our last meeting. No, it didn't. (laughs) Well, regardless of whether you get free shirtwear or not, we uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.